0: flushcarecom slash You know, I've been talking about earned media value for quite some time on this podcast. My friends at Eisenberg have just raised the bar on earned media benchmarks with their social index. Social index now gives you globally earned media values across a growing list of six geographies.
1: For all of us, it's about predicting where the consumer is going and getting half of it right.
0: One of the things we want
1: to do is create ads that don't suck. Embracing change
0: creates great possibility. I'm Alan Hart, and this is Marketing Today. Today on the show, I've got Manoj Goyle, Chief Technology Officer for Marketo. Manoj moved to Chief Technology Officer in February of 2018. He joined Marketo as Chief Product Officer in May of 2017. With more than 25 years of experience in sales acceleration, advertising technology, marketing automation, CRM, analytics, and much more, he is now responsible for engineering teams that oversee the Marketo engagement platform. On the show today, we talk about marketing automation, customer engagement, and what's possible today. And I also want to make sure that you're aware we're talking just ahead of the marketing nation summit or the marketo marketing nation summit i should say which is going to focus on the fearless marketer as its theme this year something i think we all should be paying closer attention to their conference and summit is april 29th through may 2nd in san francisco you should definitely check it out well Manoj, welcome to the show
1: thank you alan i'm looking forward to this podcast
0: yeah, it should be a lot of fun. I thought it would be a great place to start is just if you could describe how did your path to becoming chief technology officer at Marketo?
1: That sounds great. I started with digital marketing in 2013 and my first area of focus was ad tech or digital advertising and what I saw and as I was building products and advertising space is that digital made everything really cost effective and accessible. And as a result, it was not only a great breakthrough in digital marketing, but it was also being used in the wrong ways. And the people that were getting affected by that or impacted by that were the buyers or the customers. So right from the very beginning, it helped me form my passion around how do you drive more personalized engagement? How do you drive less is more? With sales and marketing communication and engagement with the buyers. And later on, that passion continued with building software and solutions for inside sales and building a revenue stack. And I continue to see that not only is it important to have a very effective engagement strategy with your buyers to engage with them, but it's also very important to have sales and marketing work together. So I was on this journey starting to understand more about digital marketing and what it takes to be successful. And ultimately, I felt like Marketo would be the best place for me to implement all of these challenges and problems I was seeing because I felt that marketing in the relationship between marketing and sales has got to take a more strategic role, a more holistic role. And if I come to Marketo, and it just so happened that as I was joining Marketo, they had bought a company called Tout App. So I felt like the sales and marketing engagement and building a more personalized engagement, the best place I can do that and really do that at scale would be here. And that led me to coming to Marketo and being their first chief product officer and now chief technology officer.
0: Well, congrats on being named to the Adweek 50 last year. Uh, Two of the initiatives that were talked about in that write-up was one, content AI, and to the Google Cloud partnership. And I wanna get into AI a little bit deeper in a little bit, but tell me a little bit about the Google partnership. And again, congrats on being named to the Ad Week 50.
1: Thank you. It was a real honor to be part of the Ad Week 50. And I think that it's a proper recognition to speak or talk about Google partnership with Marketo. Today, we live in the world where real time is the key value prop, things have to happen in the moment. And while we were improving our software performance and scalability, we felt that the infrastructure wasn't keeping up and meeting our customers' expectations. We had our own private cloud globally distributed, but as we grew our customer base and as we moved up market to enterprise customers, their needs for performance and agility were such that we felt that our Our ability to do that in our private cloud wasn't working. And so we took a a strategic decision to move to a public cloud where a public cloud gives you basically an infinite supply of infrastructure that you can procure on demand in real time. So we thought that with that value proposition and ability to program the public cloud, we can create ability to auto scale, meaning that a algorithm is scaling the infrastructure so that the customer can get the performance that they need when they need it and not have to as have humans get involved. So that was sort of the framework in which we started looking at public cloud. And I'm really happy that we chose Google Cloud Platform as our platform to do that, because in addition to Google Public Cloud being a great platform and amazing technology for us to migrate to. Google is also a massive advertising vendor where many of our customers are working with Google. So now we can work with Google's advertising attribution and analytics and get access to that data in this partnership. And then last but not least, Google has built a formidable portfolio of AI technologies, and we are working with them now to accelerate our AI roadmap. So it's really been three-pronged. It's get our infrastructure to be lined up with software and give our marketeers real-time performance agility so they can do engagement with their customers in real time. Number two, be able to really focus on driving a better partnership on top of the funnel with an advertising juggernaut like Google. And then third, is leveraging their AI technology to accelerate our AI roadmap.
0: Awesome. That's interesting that you, you're thinking about the use of, one, the foundational element of the public cloud, but the integration of APIs for AI and accelerating your product platform and the attribution modeling and those types of capabilities. I would imagine that this gives you a much more robust playground, if you will, where you're not having to develop everything yourself, but you can kind of pick and choose what makes sense for your customers and your pipeline. Is that right?
1: That is absolutely right, Alan. I think that all Google is doing is helping us stay focused on our customer needs and do that faster.
0: Okay. Well, so let's talk a little bit about Marketo. You're in the marketing automation business. I know a lot of listeners are likely customers of Marketo. What's the current state of engagement, and I put this in kind of air quotes, although listeners can't see my fingers, that marketers can achieve with prospects or customers. And, you know, when I think about engagement, how do you define it at Marketo?
1: So I think that the difference between marketing automation and engagement, I boil it down to sort of three distinct capabilities, and we're absolutely moving our platform towards that. And so first and foremost is, how do you build the most powerful buyer-customer slash database and make sure that that buyer-customer database is being enriched with the right information data so that you truly can decipher the intent of the buyer and be able to say, is that buyer in my wheelhouse? Uh, Are they in my ICP? Are they in the market to purchase? And am I the person who can go and engage with them and join them in their journey to investigate what will solve their problem and and be part of their discovery of the solution? I think that that comes with a profile database that is being nurtured and ever-growing with more and more sophisticated data to drive a highly curated list that you're engaging with. I think that today... A lot of marketers are buying leads and uh, hoarding leads and doing these batch communications that I don't know if they really work in the best interest of the buyer journey. It's sort of the same thing that you get from the ad tech and the buyer gets fatigued. So how does the marketer takes that input from the ad tech or the top of the funnel and then starts giving a much more delightful engagement model? And that starts with good customer profiling. The second thing, I believe, is that you've got to have a set of systems and technologies that supports the sales and marketing relationship. The worst thing you can do is have the salesperson start all over with a buyer when they get a lead from marketing. Marketing has spent so much time and effort driving awareness, driving education, so that contact or that person is now qualified to engage with a salesperson. How do you make sure that the salesperson is now creating a continued dialogue with the buyer so that the buyer is not feeling like, oh, my God, the sales and marketing don't talk to each other? And how do you make that conversation and dialogue end-to-end is recorded in a system so that you can optimize for the best engagement model with your buyer to improve the buyer's journey? And for that matter, the same thing applies to customers. When they become your customer your obligation for highly personalized engagement doesn't go away. So that's number two. And then number three, I think, is all about engagement in real time. Many marketing automation systems that were built in early 2000 have been, especially for B2B, following a rule-based cadence where somebody engages with you and then your system 32 minutes or an hour later in a prescriptive cadence goes back and responds. I don't think that that's what buyers are expecting. What buyers are expecting is that if I am showing interest, if I'm downloading an ebook, if I'm going to your booth, that I will get an appreciation for coming and expressing my intent, but I'm also going to get a follow up engagement that then fulfills that curiosity that I showed to you with a human touch or the next system touch that is valuable in my discovery of. A solution to my problem. And so how do you make the systems understand that signal in real time and respond in real time? And I mean, real time is less than five minutes where you have to decide whether you're going to engage or not engage. Either way is fine, but be able to have systems that can in real time respond to a buyer that is showing interest in your services. And so I think that these are the three things that you have to have in an engagement platform. And that's where I think I'm trying to move my products and technologies.
0: Right. So then as it relates to that kind of building on those three things, engagement, if you were to define it, really is personalized to the individual you're trying to engage with. And that's very interesting. Very interesting. There's all this talk about personalization and I'm sure the notion of building these rich profiles of potential customers or customers. Give me a sense of how personalized I can get today.
1: Unfortunately, not very personalized. I think that part of it is technology, and part of it is digital marketing. I think that digital marketing has given us some bad habits where we have started believing that more is better, and so we try to get as many leads, and we get you know uh, try to do as many sales activities, and we keep persisting with four, five, six, seven touches to the same person without actually ever understanding. Is the person in my ICP, is are they really interested? So I think that today's systems are not very personalized. Many times we produce a lot of content and aspiring to be great content marketeers. And then we're pushing all of that content without knowing which content is really solving the buyer's problem. So when it comes to personalizing on the content side, personalizing on the engagement side, More is better. And I think that that goes against the personalization value proposition. I do think that AI is the critical technology that you need because I don't think anybody's going to get away from big data. I think that everybody's going to want to engage with as many people as they can, as frequently as they want. And that means that you're working in the world of big data. But AI is one of those technologies that are now starting to take advantage of big data and bring insights to the marketeers and to the sales organizations on how to use that insight to become much more targeted and engage in a highly personalized way. So I think that AI will start moving us towards that, but digital marketing has really helped us explode our engagement, not make it more personalized.
0: Interesting. Yeah, I know that dynamic of, of just trying to fill the pipeline, you know, hoard leads, fill the pipeline. And I think quality of personalization is probably missed in that equation for sure, like you said.
1: Many, many times, if your close rate on your pipeline is less than 25 or 30%, you need to look at your strategy for engagement and strategy for creating your opportunities because. I find that this lead hoarding and filling the pipeline has something to do with your close rates being below 25, 30%. And so just want to make that point.
0: No, that's, that's very insightful. It's very insightful. And while we're on this topic of sales, you know, a lot of businesses are moving from kind of the one to many sales model to account-based sales. You know, how do you think about helping customers scale that, if you will, enterprise account management or account-based sales
1: model? So. Traditionally, and it's not that much of a tradition because even up till two years ago, this is how it worked. Marketing was doing mostly inbound marketing, drive thought leadership, cast a wide net, catch the leads, do some nurturing, pass them on to, in the old days, six, seven years ago, to field sales who would then, in their slow cadence, try to follow up and the buyer would be lost in the process. Now, with inside sales teams, the sales follow-up is a little bit faster, but still it's largely been an in inbound marketing where you're casting the wide net. And as you go up market and try to solve for the enterprise customers or solve for the field sales, which is still an important role in the enterprise, it's mostly still left for sales organization. They have to do self-gen of the pipeline. They have to do all the follow-up and largely it's an unoptimized process. And the biggest issue with this is that There's a breakdown between marketing and sales on ICP. Marketing is much more prescriptive about ICP and sales is trying to generate a pipeline, period. So when you want sales and marketing to be optimized around ICP, this process of how do you do outbound marketing or outbound selling or account-based selling, how do you do that and follow the ICP? that problem is still there. And so it's only just very recently that marketing has once again reinvented themselves. And today the CMOs are almost known with this secondary title called chief growth officer. And I think the the reason why CMOs are being known or being called chief growth officers or chief growth advisor is because the CEO is asking the marketing organization to take a more holistic role in the pipeline development and partner with the CRO in a much deeper and fuller extent. That is what's leading marketing to play a stronger role in account-based selling by the advent of account-based marketing. And if you hear people from Topo, they'll say it's account-based everything, sales marketing, SDRs, You know, the whole value chain needs to be account-based. So I think that The biggest thing that has happened is that marketing has said that the enterprise pipeline is no longer going to be sales, self gen exclusively, that marketing is going to participate in it. And marketing is going to participate in it by being more thoughtful about ideal customer profile and creating the targeted accounts and on and on. But I think that the biggest shift is that account based marketing is driving the front process of account based selling. And I think that in the coming years, the partnership in sales and marketing for accounts will become much, much stronger. Today, people are focusing on how to make the process work. But I think the technology vendors are also hard working, trying to get the sales stacks, technology stacks, and the MarTech technology stacks to start integrating together. And that's an area that I'm uh, deeply working on right now. And we're you know, uh, thinking about releasing some exciting products. To bring those partnerships together.
0: Interesting. Before we go too much further, will you, just for folks that don't know what it is, will you define ICP? I think we've been using that term and realize we haven't defined it.
1: Yes. Thank you for keeping me honest on the three-letter acronyms. (laughs) (laughs) So ICP stands for ideal customer profile. It is the addressable market for your business. And so by knowing that, and by finding accounts that are within your ideal customer profile, you're more likely to get better engagement and hopefully better conversion.
0: Thank you. So we just talked a little bit about how critical it is that sales and marketing teams understand and align around their ICPs and either in target accounts. In your view, how does it work best? And, And would you have tips or advice for marketers in that equation?
1: Absolutely. So I think that it's as much... Of a overhaul in your process, as it was when marketing automation and digital marketing first came in late '90s, early 2000, it was a significant work to drive the process that now seems fairly optimized for inbound marketing and inside sales organizations. I think that ABM and account-based selling, or what I call outbound marketing. Bombus, big comfort for everyone. Go to bombus.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. Has to go through that same maturity process. So, where I think that we are working with our customers is really focus on data driven, ideal customer profile creation. So, with a lot more sophistication in AI, I think that there are many solutions. They're out there in the market, you know, not to promote names here, but Lattice Engines or Mintigo or or Leadspace. There are a bunch of people out there that are helping marketeers using data, create an ideal customer profile. And I I strongly recommend that marketeers do that because that helps them scientifically develop their addressable market and their ability to then mine their own marketing systems and or go and do discovery on accounts becomes highly targeted. Also, it becomes much easier to explain to sales who the ideal customer profile is because you've done the attribution, you've done the modeling to really be able to describe in an unambiguous way, these are the accounts that fall into my customer profile, my addressable market. So I think that that's step number one. Step number two, I think, is that once marketeers really do their account-based list creation, it's very important to use data again to drive who are the accounts that are going to be of my top 500 accounts and who are going to be my next 1500 accounts and how do I spend money because ABM is expensive. So how do I allocate my budget to the most important accounts and how do I follow up with the next year down with a little bit less expensive campaigning so that my cost per account is manageable? The third thing is marketers have to now start getting to focus on persona-based marketing. I mean, sales has always known that an account is made up of decision makers and people who procure and people who are detractors, who are technologists. So sales has always been used to persona-based engagement. But marketing being mostly used to lead marketing, they market to the individual. And now they have to market to all the contacts Within that account, so they have to understand the roles of those contacts and how to do persona-based marketing and and do the door opener campaigns. But then, as they do that, how do they get get that insight into the sales development and how do you get the enterprise sales development rep to start taking on and driving the human engagement as a carry on to marketing? I think that that's important, and I talked about that sales and marketing partnership. So that needs to be done. Things like what you know, coming up with new metrics like MQA, marketing qualified account, sales accepted account, those definitions have to be created. You have to create, you know, how many touch points should marketing do? And I, I think in account-based marketing and selling, it's important to bring sales up front versus in a lead marketing campaign. So how do you bring sales upfront? But that doesn't mean that marketing is handed off to sales. It's still that marketing is engaged. And in fact, helping sales create the ideal content so that sales can do a very good follow-on personalized engagement. And then when the sales SDR does that engagement, how does marketing then follow up and drive a thank you or give an ebook or follow up with some more insight or information so that they're both working in unison in concert to help nurture that account and drive opportunities so i think that that's really what's needed and underlying all of that you need a data system that's driving codification of sales and marketing behavior and building that unified view of sales and marketing activity flow so that you can optimize it
0: interesting yeah i mean i've been talking to a lot of cmos recently especially in the b2b space i see adding some element of what i think traditionally would have been considered sales so whether it's you know lead nurturing with sdrs or entry level sdrs and then promoting those leads I, I, this may be where you're going with marketing qualified accounts or sales accepted accounts into the actual sales organization i've seen marketers and marketing organizations taking on more and more of that nurturing i think to help blend and provide a more streamlined handoff so i don't know if you've seen that as well but
1: That's exactly right, Alan. And in fact, we are expecting that marketeers will provide to their salespeople a account, all of the contacts, the roles, and what engagement propensity they saw with each of the contacts. So they should be sending to the salespeople, here are all the contacts we discovered in the account. Here's all the engagement we have done. Here's the engagement responsiveness that we have seen with these contacts. And with that insight, help the salesperson build a personalized content driven next cadence to go after those contacts that showed the most engagement and say, how can I help you with your discovery of your problem? How can I understand you better? How can I engage with you in building your journey towards a solution? And so I think that marketing doing all of that pre-work allows for sales to have inside sales, enterprise SDRs, have a better chance of penetrating account. And really, you're basically taking the behavior of those enterprise account executives and taking their first part of their workflow and codifying this in account-based selling and account-based marketing. So you're taking that what was natural for that field account executive and bringing that into marketing and stuff, enterprise SDRs so they can really become more empowered to drive opportunity to close phase of the enterprise deal.
0: Right, right, right. No, that's great. So let's switch gears a little bit and talk about technology. AI is very topical. And I think it's uh, a lot of marketers are struggling to know what to do with it and how to apply it. And there's always a new shiny object around the corner. I think people would really love to hear from a chief technology officer. How do you evaluate when it's appropriate to engage a technology like AI versus something else? You know, how do you just go through that mental exercise?
1: So, I think that anytime you get a fairly big technology breakthrough, the hardest thing is how not to boil the ocean, meaning don't try to make it overly complex, don't try to over engineer a solution because you don't know what you don't know. So, that's been our philosophy with AI is that we don't know what ultimately our customers will adopt, what marketeers will see as the most valuable. So what we are doing is creating micro AI applications everywhere. So if you want to push out content, we'll create a little AI bot that will recommend to the marketeer which of your content has most engagement, which content has had the most consumption. And based on the profile, even start going into which content can be more effective to a segment of users so that as you get visitors on your web or as you try to engage with them on email, you are leading with your best content. So we're building an AI bot that does content recommendation. That's our content AI product. The next thing you're doing is, okay, well, everybody's going to get more leads. But by mining your database and your past engagement with leads or accounts, if we can find ways to look at your new leads or new accounts that you've just brought into your system and curate them and say, you know, these are the kind of leads that match your previous leads that you had great success with. Why don't you start with engaging on that? So basically starting to give audience curation, audience refinement, so that you're targeting the best audience, the most likely audience that will help you engage with. And that starts getting into being more targeted with best content, And then ultimately, I think, you know, we want to start building micro applications that start introducing campaign optimizations. Rather than having everything pre-described with a set of rules, you're basically looking at each activity or each action or each engagement and saying, what happened with this engagement and what is the next best thing I can do to drive my buyer's experience? How do I delight them with the next engagement that is very thoughtful, leveraging the right channel? Right content and right cadence and right time to engage with them, so that they are feeling like they're not getting fatigued, they're not being you know hit again and again, they're not trying to get immune to your message, but they're actually saying you know somebody here really cares, somebody really understands me, and so I think that we want to do these mini AI applications to start driving a personalization and helping the marketeers start thinking about less is more. By eliminating things that are not going to work for them, and I think that that's what AI can really be used for is elimination of useless or less effective things, less effective content, less effective audience, less effective cadences that you know don't drive meaningful engagement. It's okay to stop after second try if the engagement is not coming.
0: right. Right, I think that you know the small building blocks, if you will, my term. I think that's a smart way. You don't know what's going to work necessarily in the beginning,
1: right? And so we're doing experimentation, and we'll see how it evolves.
0: That's great. Well, so let's zoom out a little bit further. Innovation and in broad strokes is really hard to do well. And I think you've had looking back over your career, you've had a number of jobs where you're driving innovation. Would you have tips for other executives on or suggestions on how to think about innovation, how to improve? prove your efforts in that area?
1: I think that the best innovations I've seen are ones that simplify the experience. My view on innovation is that if it's too hard to understand or too hard to use, then it's probably not a great innovation. Over and over again, I have seen innovation that significantly, significantly simplifies a person's ability to finish a task or work or become more effective in doing their job. And those are the innovations that I think get embraced. And those are the ones that are easy to spot. So I would say to all the executives and my peers that don't get sucked up into hype and buzzwords. If you can't use it in 10 to 15 minutes, if you can't understand the value in half an hour or less, then it's probably not a great innovation. (laughs)
0: <laughs> it's great advice. That's great advice. So taking a step back even further from this discussion, it's really important for me to understand the person I'm talking to. And I think listeners really love getting kind of a little behind the scenes with folks just to know you a little bit better as a person. And in that effort, I love this question, which is, you know, has there been an experience in your past that you believe defines who you are today?
1: I think that's a very thoughtful question and gets you to start introspecting in yourself. I think that the, my learning lessons have been all around customer obsession. I grew up from technology side and so and being in Silicon Valley, you always thought that if you can come up with a great technology solution, then there's a market for it. And I've had enough, you know, I've made enough mistakes, I've earned my strides to know that if you're not customer obsessed and if you're not in the market, if you're not engaging with who you're trying to solve the problem for, and if you don't really understand their problem, no amount of technology, no amount of ingenuity is going to really help you succeed. So today, I breathe and live in engaging with the industry, not only listening to the customers, but engaging with the analysts in understanding where the competition is going, and basically being extremely cynical about are we being the best we can be today? Can we make our our lives better? And is those things that now drive me to think about the next thing that we should be doing or the next innovation that we should be having. And that's really defined my, who I am today.
0: Nice. Nice. What fuels you? What drives you personally every day?
1: I think that what makes my day is twofold. If I've had a great conversation with a customer, I'm super happy. Or if I've helped an employee in my company, I'm really, you know, excited. So those are the things that I look for at the end of the day. Did I help an employee become better or did I have a conversation with a customer where we both learned from that engagement and I made that customer's life better and in the process made my own blinders or knowledge gaps get removed?
0: Nice. So, if we step back, you know, are there brands and and companies or or causes that you follow or you think others should take notice of?
1: I think that uh, today, the cause that I am really passionate about is how social and people-based networks are really influencing the culture, the mindset of the next generation. In the past, a lot of the values were learned in the school and by parents. And I think that today, social platforms are becoming an equal and relevant participants in defining the value system of our society. So that's a, a pretty significant evolution, technology-driven, but nevertheless an evolution in how future generations of human-based societies are going to evolve. And so I'm really focused on that and with marketing and sales, how do you intersect that? and? As a personal agenda, how do you make sure that the quote unquote journalism aspects of social media are not biasing the human society to wrong attitudes?
0: Right, right. That's a a really interesting area. As you know, I mean, from a technology background, I mean, there's puts in relation, you know, the technology that you build and what are all the great things it can be used for, but how do you make sure that there's a feedback mechanism somehow or a systemic mechanism that allows it to find natural equilibriums, I think maybe is the best way to put it. It's a fascinating problem.
1: Ultimately, I think that even feedback systems are going to be slow. I think the real problem for social systems, and I hope somebody from Facebook is listening, is how do you help the person get awareness of their addiction to a certain mindset or certain bias that they might be developing by listening to a certain signal or certain news feed that is creating that bias. And so how do you sort of pull yourself out of your own sort of bias and self-check yourself? Because many times these are subliminally developed and you don't recognize that you're doing this, that you're building hate for somebody or you're building a bad bias towards somebody and you do it unintentionally. And I don't think the feedback loops are going to be sophisticated enough unless until the platforms are helping you create some self-awareness about yourself.
0: Right, right. No, it's fascinating. Fascinating. I'm glad you brought that up. It's something I haven't talked about before, but it's a really interesting dynamic
1: that's going on right now.
0: Last question for you. What do you think the future of marketing is going to hold?
1: So I spoke about a cause on the social platform, but I am fascinated and I think that there are two big things happening that is going to, once again, significantly disrupt how we engage with customers and buyers. One is this whole people-based network. And it's not just Facebook and LinkedIn. It's also Uber and Lyft and Amazon for retail. There are all these communities and marketplaces and network-oriented capabilities being built that are very engaging and very collaborative. So once you know that that's where the engagement and collaboration and time is being spent by the lead or the contact, how do you take advantage of that? So that's number one. Number two is that no longer is the knowledge worker sitting on the desk i think that more and more work is being done on the go it is being done on mobile devices today but it's being it'll be wearable devices it'll be augmented reality devices in the future so how the information is being consumed and where people are spending time is all changing and the millennials and the next generation after that whether it's called the z something or the centennial but whatever these generations that are coming up are going to be you know, called, they're all going to be spending time on people-based networks with consumption platforms that are very different than where baby boomers were. So how does the marketing systems, the sales systems, or engagement systems start evolving to recognizing the value of those things is, I think, that where I am focusing on.
0: Great. Well, thank you so much for coming on the show today.
1: Thank you, Alan. I really appreciate you inviting me
0: marketing today is brought to you by atomic atomic focuses on unleashing the growth potential for clients we serve atomic is a strategic consultancy specializing in business marketing brand and innovation our singular goal is to help you accelerate your efforts with the right mix of expertise analysis and creativity check us out at atomic.com a-t-o-m-c-k Com. Hi, it's Alan again. Marketing Today was created and produced by me with writing and editing by Kevin Greeley, social media support by Megan Woods, art and graphic design by Sarah Dell. If you're new to Marketing Today, please feel free to write us a review on iTunes or your favorite listening platform. Don't forget to subscribe and tell your friends and colleagues about the show. I love to hear from listeners, and you can contact me at marketingtodaypodcast.com. There you'll also find complete show notes with links to anything we talk about on any episode. You can also search our archives. I'm Alan Hart, and this is Marketing Today.